This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, welcome back to Who's On Worst, your home for the worst baseball movie commentary on the internet. Part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. I am your host, Ashley McLennan. With me, as always, is my co-host, Darby Robinson. And on the, I'm going to do it again, on the ones and twos, uh, our intrepid producer, Brett Rutherford. Uh, This week, we are talking about a good movie. Um, I think we went in with the intention, and I did let you guys pick. Uh, Darby insisted we put this one to a vote. Um, we let you guys pick between some classic kids baseball fair, and I believe we let you choose between Angels in the Outfield, um, Little, Little, Little Big, Big League, and what we ended up what ended up being the clear cut winner with over fifty percent of the vote uh, was no really runoff good. needed. No runoff needed, unlike our uh, our player versus player dream team challenges that we had recently over at DRB. Uh, so yeah, this week we will be talking about Rookie of the Year, uh, which is the uh, Chicago Cubs classic adventure film about a wonderful 12-year-old superstar pitcher. So Darby, tell us a little bit more about Rookie of the Year, because something about this one surprised me when I saw the credits go by. Uh so yeah, this this movie, uh, the synopsis, if you if you haven't heard, is basically it's a pretty simple one. Uh, a little leaguer gets into a freak accident, and his arm uh, gets healed, put back together, but it heals weird, and because of that, he now has super tight tendons that create a super powered fast arm, and then he gets signed by the Cubs. Uh, and then that's that's the movie. And uh, it's really, honestly, I remember watching this as a kid a lot. This was, this hit me like right at the perfect. It came out in 1993. Uh, so I was six, seven years old, something like that. So it was a really good age for this type of movie. It's It's got some good broad humor, um, baseball, and it's a kid kind of like power fantasy of where like this kid gets to be in the majors and he's striking out batters and all that. And uh, yeah, I gotta say, watching it back, I was like, oh, it's probably not gonna hold up. It holds up 100%. I loved it. I've, I loved it so much. Uh, it is on our list because it does not have good reviews. Audience score of just 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, 52% to be precise, and uh, only 35% of reviewers gave it a positive review. So it is not critically acclaimed, but I can't help but think that this isn't strong acclaim amongst amongst kids of a certain generation it, it may be a generational thing because like you in 93 i was 10 um that was also just coming off of the era of the two back-to-back jays world series wins so that was you know baseball was huge for kids in canada at that point um and i, I do remember watching this as a kid and i i think in my mind i forgot that i did watch it 
But as I was going through it, oh my God, half of the dialogue in this movie I had memorized, apparently. Like there was things coming up and I'm just like, that's where this is from? That's where this is from? Okay. Uh, High stinking cheese. I don't know if that's from something else or if that's just old like baseball like slang. But this is the movie where it introduced me. Yeah. Yeah. But it was stuff like where he hits the doctor and doctor says like funky butt loving and like, just the most <laughs> random one-offs like or like I think my favorite line was where he's going to going to work for the first day and he's like oh mom none of the other cub moms are gonna be there <laughs> she wants to walk him into the locker room uh it's fantastic so yeah like Darby I was go- I was so ready to go into this and ruin some childhood dreams to just be like this was a stinking heap of poop i mean guys we watched air bud seventh inning fetch i am very willing to like make our bar fun, is low make fun of kids movies i have no problem doing it uh but this was uh five minutes in i texted the group chat and i'm like oh no this is very charming because <laughs> it was like almost instant you kind of find yourself getting pulled into it and i think it's so before we get into kind of a fuller discussion of it i want to point out that the reason and this is this may only work in a 90s context. The reason the Cubs were so eager to sign young 12-year-old Henry is that they're they were being very traditionally Cubsy prior to the Theo Epstein era, and they sucked. Um, and because they sucked so hard, they were having nobody come to their games, and they needed something that was going to sell out every single game for the remainder of the season. This is like mid-August onward um because the I think he was like the nephew of the owner or like somehow connected to the owner and he was about to take over the team but if they didn't sell it out they weren't going to make any money and they were going to lose the franchise so he needed something cool and like a big draw and what is more of a big draw than a 12 year old with a 103 mile per hour fastball uh I would watch those games I mean I would absolutely tune into that yeah I would get MLB TV on that no um yeah so this is still in the midst of the Cubs love the loser phase they had not won a World Series since 1908 1908. and the this is also pre the kind of resurgence with like Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor and and Dusty Baker and all that or, or not Dusty Baker but like just the the return of Cubs baseball to prominence before heartbreak and then eventual ascension to the World Series. This is all before that. This is just you turn on the Cubs because they're on WGN and you get to watch some mediocre baseball, but it's in the day. So it's kind of fun. And uh, or if you're in Chicago, you go out to the bleachers and you get a nice daytime drunk on and enjoy uh, being downtown Chicago. it's delightful movie because it starts off, this film starts off with like a solid like two minutes, uh, two, maybe three minutes of the opening credits is just entirely the most loving just shots and B-roll of the yeah. start of a game at Wrigley. So yes. you just got like the the concession stands, gates are opening and and people are filing in the seats and the Cubs troll dolls crew. Going yeah, up the, 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 yeah, they're putting up Cubs troll dolls and people are getting tickets out. It, it's just, it's, it's super mundane baseball stuff at a stadium. And one of the things that also really hits this movie now is that it has been a long time since I have been to a baseball game, into a stadium. And man, oh man, all of this mundane stuff, I'm like, I miss it. Just like, just 
all of that is so great. And, and Wrigley Field was actually the last stadium I went to before the pandemic, uh, before, before like the last season was basically canceled in terms of, of fans and attendance. Um, and yeah, I was just like, I was just, you know, seeing the play, it, it, it shot there and it just has this amazingly romantic view of just the, the small stuff, the little stuff yeah. that are the, the field dressing to it. And it's, it's fantastic. The only other movie that we've reviewed that does this really well is Fever Pitch at yeah. Fenway Park. And it's very easy, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, it's very easy to make baseball feel romantic when you're looking at Fenway Park in Wrigley Field in that way. Uh, but yeah, I loved it, pulled at the heartstrings, and I, I do miss being at a major league ballpark. There's the scene, I think the big scene for me was right after Henry gets his cast off and mom best mom in the world i'm going to talk about mary to the ends of the earth because what a great character um she's like oh i got a present for you it's cast off present day and she hands over three tickets to let these kids go to a baseball game in the middle of the day by themselves let's talk about the coolest mom ever they are they are and, some real latchkey kids just wandering yeah. the streets of chicago yeah. they're on the l train they're just Stealing, care, whatever and then so there's like a scene where they come out onto wrigley where they go in and like just open it's like batting practice like before the game and just wrigley expands before them and these cute little kids and their little bleacher bombs because they're you know they're so the only seats mom can grab three of even though nobody was at the game um, and it's just, it, I almost cried like at the perfection of it, of these three little 12 year old boys running in on their own, this beautiful green field with Wrigley up in the background. It's just, just perfect. Like it was such a delight. The shot of them getting the tickets. I don't know who came up with them having them come down the reverse elevator. And then when they realize their tickets, they just stop moving. And so they're going all the way back. Whoever came up with that shot, that was brilliant. Gotta give. That's the other thing we forgot to mention when we were talking about this movie. Uh, is the director? It is yes. directed by Daniel Stern. And for those who can't put a face to that name, Daniel Stern is the non-Joe Pesci half of the Wet Bandits, um, and a, a great staple of '90s comedy film. And he directed this, uh, and also Dan his featured actor in it, which we'll talk. Yes, about. he is. He is in it. Uh, Daniel Stern. This is the only movie. That Daniel Stern directed. He direct. He's directed some TV. Um, before this, he did direct a couple episodes of The Wonder Years, which he obviously was also very famously the the narrator on. Um, and this is prime era Daniel Stern. This is the height of his powers because you have The Wonder Years as is out. You have Home Alone. He's you know, like him and Pesci, just amazing comedic acting and and physical performance and then you also have city slickers has come out just like about a year before this so this is like the highest power that daniel stern can be uh and he directs this this uh kids baseball movie uh and he does an amazing job i i do not want to undersell that i actually think the direction in this movie we have talked so much about awful movies with terrible tone, mediocre direction, where the story gets completely muddled because there's no, there's no steering of a ship. It just, it just wanders aimlessly from point to point and then it ends and the, the, the tone is just a mess. This film knows what it is. It hits the tone perfectly. Uh, and it's got such sure-handed direction 
And like like I, we mentioned the opening, the Brett's mentioned the 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 escalator shot. Like that's just such a beautiful, simple comedic moment. Uh, and Daniel Stern does an amazing job. And I'm kind of shocked that he never got another uh, like chance at a movie, or maybe he didn't want to. But like I would have, I get Daniel Stern back behind the camera. Let's get him in charge of another movie. And honestly, let's do another baseball movie. He had a good eye for, I think, baseball and baseball action. This will make yeah, it to that. I think we could argue that a bit, some of the scenes were a little bit muddled. I mean, you had to, obviously, um, Thomas Ian Nicholas was not, you know, a, a natural fastball hurler. Um, and so a little <laughs> bit of liberty was taken in a lot of those scenes where he's, you know, throwing, throwing players out. And um, there's some odd cuts. And, but I, I, otherwise, I think, it was very deftly handled. Like you, he really did handle scenes well in what you think of like the tension of Henry's first trip to the mound where he's just watching people cheer for him and he's really appreciating like how big these guys are and how powerful they are and what a position he finds himself in. And that scene I think isn't drawn out. And I really, I think what was really effective about it in my notes is that I like that even though he has this superpower now, that he isn't immediately the best baseball player in the world. He's not Steve Nebraska. He's not getting out there and doing everything right. Like he gets out there and there's, he hits a pitcher. He, you know, throws four balls and walks a guy. He has a wild pitch. He's, he's not a player who has been working towards the majors for his entire life. And I think that that's really valuable, but I, I think that just in sense of the direction, um, Stern had a great eye for everything. Like there's scenes in this movie where I was like sitting there going, oh, what's going to happen? And, you know, you're invested in it. So I, I think he did a great job. It's really good. Yeah. And I think in general, the writing, I think, is also really strong in this film. I think it's, you mentioned, and I, I had a note about that, where we're introduced to Henry Rohngarder uh, as a terrible baseball player. He's a terrible little leaguer. He is super inept. Uh, just really bad and uh and he may and he gets into the game because the kid has an asthma attack so he can't play so he gets into the game and the coach doesn't want to put him in but they, he does anyway and he immediately messes up royally and embarrassingly and like costs him the you know the game or, or whatever and so you already are introduced that he is not he is not naturally gifted at baseball and then he also trying to catch he, he fails at catching a lot of stuff in this movie um, but then it's set up well where like he tries to make a catch to impress the, the middle school girl that he's, he's attracted to, uh, he's interested in, he tries to impress her and do something cool, but instead he steps on a baseball in the grass, falls, breaks his arm. And that's where, um, it eventually leads to, uh, the inciting incident of the film. Uh, and yeah, you, he doesn't immediately become Steve Nebraska. He doesn't become this cheat code. Of a, of a person and I love that. So throughout the movie, he is only a reliever, yeah. which I, is great, right? Like he he has, it's like, he is as effective as like your, you know, like a Joel Zumaya type. Like he comes in, has an amazing fastball, nothing really else, bad command. And that's tough, but not like impossible. He's not, people are hitting him. People have, his very first pitch gets taken yard by the villain of the movie that we'll come back to. Well, there's three one villains. Of, one of them. The one of three. Yeah. There's three villains and they all get a nice, hilarious comedic yeah. end, which is great. But one of the, the baseball on the field villain takes him deep, Hedo, 
And then he, yeah, he, he, he's really bad, but through sheer kind of dumb luck, throws a wild pitch that eventually is able to get a guy kind of over boogieing, trying to get to third, thrown out, and they, he gets the save. Yeah. So this is a perfect example. The movie really is ahead of its time by saying that the save needs to die and be abolished. <laughs> the film really does, paints a picture where you can be wildly incompetent, give up a home run, hit a batter, and then immediately throw a wild pitch. And then that actually gets you out. That's what he did. And he gets an out. So yes, abolish the save. Brian I, I got to say, I love that. Um, the, the villain, the baseball villain that he's got, like this behemoth of a man who looks like he's cut straight out of a Looney Tunes cartoon. Because Unbelievable he, look by that just, guy. Like he looks perfectly cartoonish. It's, it's absolutely, it's, 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 comical the shape of this man like you've never in your life seen a baseball player that has this physique because like they've they've really like tied into like the 50 plus ish looking dudes with the bad mustaches and like the big guts um so very much of that like 70s 80s era looking dude um but this guy man he is like straight out of a poster for for peds like if this guy was a real player they'd be making him pee in a cup after every game like he is just as wide across as he is tall and he's he's jack parkman from major league but with a lot of anabolic steroids <laughs> so it's like he's even more of a like a beast just uh, like no neck all shoulders he looks like he's straight <laughs> up an anime truly like he's a yeah. villain from an anime where it's just all head all shoulders zero neck um looking like he'd like squeeze you in half it's just a ludicrous looking man um and all like there's nothing about there's no nuance to him as a villain like he is there's not a lot of nuance in in most of the baseball no. parts of this movie which which is fine because it's a kid's movie but yeah there's yeah. no nuance and i think truly that's kind of what works well here is that all of the stakes of this movie are very low and it's not any any situation where Henry is ever really in danger or where Henry is really at risk of anything terrible happening to him. But in a kid's movie, they, there does have to be a bad guy. And I think that rather the way that Airbud failed by picking the wrong bad guy, by like mm -hmm. inventing this like super villain, um, like evil doctor that was going to experiment on puppies. Um, this, this movie played it really well like they had one baseball player who liked to make fun of him like he would you know fake crying and he really got out there and tried to trash talk him um I, I'd say the other villain in and around baseball was the owner's nephew who wanted mm -hmm. nothing but the financial gain of having this exciting player and then was willing to sell Henry's contract to the Yankees for a whopping 25 million dollars not pretty good for not too shabby yeah. for a reliever in 93 yeah um and then I've that was Steinbrenner era where he was just throwing stupid money after yeah. stupid money this is fresh off of them signing a guy from Mexico that they've never seen yeah I mean besides just that. so yeah they just spent what 60 mil on Steve Nebraska we're never going to stop talking about Steve Nebraska people I'm sorry if you've not listened to our episode on the scout just go and listen so you can get these inside jokes because we'll <laughs> never make it through an episode without talking about Steve Nebraska at this point um but the third villain obviously and I, I feel like we should not have trusted him from the beginning any man who celebrates a three-week anniversary is not a man you want to trust um, is his shirt was atrocious and he yeah. drove a Miata as well. There was red flags all so over the place. This was his mom's, Henry's mom's new boyfriend, um, who decides to take it upon himself. And I don't know why Mary allowed this to happen to take it upon himself to be Henry's manager. 
Um, that part of it mystifies me for somebody who is so keenly aware of baseball and who is like attuned to things and who's obviously very present in her son's life. I don't buy that Mary would have gone through that unless, and I don't, we didn't really learn a lot about that dude, unless he's like a lawyer and it just made sense for him to take that on from a legal it perspective. Must have. Yeah. That, that don't, that was a little bit of a, a maybe like a little bit of a plot convenience. It's not a plot hole. Yeah. It's just a plot convenience. But yeah, it does seem kind of a little ridiculous that she would let this guy, he, so, okay. So Jack, um, Jack, what, who doesn't matter what his last name is. Jack is uh, really douchey. That's what we know. He comes in and he's, well, he's just like, he's kind of a dweeb at the beginning, right? He, he's like very he, dweeby. He's very much a tryhard. And I think any kid on the planet whose parents have ever divorced and they've had to watch a parent date again has been in that position, right? Where you yes. see this guy come in, he's trying way too hard to win your affection and you think he's kind of a putz. Um, and, and that's the story of how I got my stepdad. Um, but <laughs> That's a story for another time. That 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 marriage didn't last. He later got arrested for soliciting a male prostitute, but um, hmm. sex worker. Sorry, um, but yeah. Anyway, he, fun fun facts, everybody. That was also in the script for Jack. That, but it was just they they cut it for time. They cut it, it was for time. Too much. It was, too much backstory yeah. for Jack. But that's what happens after Mary kicks him out and kicks him to the curb. Yes, exactly. Uh, no, so he you know. he is. Uh, pots and then eventually there's this point where um well, well let's let's get into so i think what really works you mentioned it with the whole like kid dynamic of his like his mom is dating this like kind of a putz at first and he um he like gets evil very quickly it's like from putz to dweeb to douche to to asshole that's the that's the like yeah. straight progression um but like i think it actually were him Thomas Ian Nichols, I think, does a really good job in this movie as Henry Rowan Garner. And, and his two friends are so good. Like, the, the, the dynamic of this film is centered on three um, middle school boys, about 12 years old. And it works because these kids really do seem like kids, mm -hmm. like real kids. Not super saccharine, like, uh, like movie kids, but they feel like kind of kids. They, they are interested in... Like kind of building this boat, they're doing this thing, build baseball. Um, they are like kind of interested in girls, but they're in that phase where they don't really know what that means. And just like having a friend that's a girl is is that's enough. Uh, and and they just work really well. So like when you have Henry's reactions with his mom about Jack, it it doesn't come off as like over the top. It it comes off like very realistic. Like he's yeah. not like trying to ruin them he's just like god this guy yeah he sucks he's very much like like, like you could see kind of like it, it's played really well he's like oh you're going out again and like we've all i think in that era 100 percent. you know mom's leaving you at home when you're 12 by you're like they're latchkey kids it's 100 percent. they're totally latchkey kids absolutely movie, yeah and so it, it's very normal of that era and like that's the era i grew up in so um yeah so it's very much like oh you're going out again and mom's like oh yeah it's the three-week anniversary and I'm like oh mom mm -mm, I wouldn't for starters I don't think I'd be introducing anybody to my kids three weeks into a relationship but I mean you do you Mary 
Um, but she's an independent, very interesting woman. She just she, she lets her children and her and her friends run rampant throughout Chicago. She's introducing the Mazda the Mazda Miata, driving. Mazda Miata driving Jack. Yeah. Let's talk about rules. Mary for a second because I I know you talked about the kids and the kids are really well done and and I love that the blonde one is very clearly got like an older brother along the route because he's absolutely the super inappropriate one of the group because he's talking about like oh yeah milk's doing her body good and he doesn't have any real concept mm-hmm. of what boobs are but it's a hilarious like he's he's yeah definitely that like older brother saying yeah. stuff and you hear it and you're just sort of like repeating it but you're yeah. like I think you get like the like the tone but you don't get like the yeah full context or not yeah yeah but like which, no which idea one? how to truly talk to, to other women and that kid absolutely looks like he's gonna grow up to be like a Chicago Bears fan like I don't I have this this philosophy and if any men from the Chicago area are listening to this I apologize in advance but I mean this in a very loving way men from Chicago have a very distinct look to them um and I I say this because I love it um and it, it's a fantastic look but like if you ever look at Jason Kipnis Jason Kipnis looks like a man from Chicago and mm-hmm. I was super delighted to discover that Jason Kipnis is in fact a man from just outside Chicago so I'm like my philosophy <laughs> has like perfected itself so um but that blonde kid 100% looks like the kind of kid that's going to grow up to look like a Chicago sports fan like he just tiny baby little bears fan he's gonna grow up to go tailgating um just truly perfection um but mary mary is i I don't think i've ever remembered the name of a parent in a kid's movie before Mm -hmm. um she is like a fully realized character like she's you know what she does she works in a flower shop she has no spouse she's dating a guy which i think is really cool like she's out there trying to meet people and live her life but she's clearly created like this independent person in henry who can like go out and live his life and she goes out and lives hers so anyway it's it's cool that i think that like mary is just this unique person like she's sarcastic she picks on him she makes him do his chores like she feels like a real mom and not like a movie mom like she feels like a mom that I've known that my friends have had that I've had you know like that I have I should say my mom is still here so but it she feels like a, an actual person the, the, a lot of the characters do feel there's one character that does not feel like any normal human <laughs> being and we'll talk about that yeah that's our director uh but yeah most of them do feel like yeah they could be a real person they there's like some comedic tune-ups and a little bit of goofiness there, obviously, because it's a kid's movie, but they all are coming from a fairly real center point, which I think works well. And what's interesting with Mary is that there is a full arc. There's so, I was, and it's really, honestly, maybe it's just this amazingly low bar that has been set by like these god awful films, Fever Pitch Not Included, that, that like this film just like sails wildly over by <laughs> competence. Um, but there is, in the beginning of the movie, in the middle, and in the end, there is an arc for Mary. And there are there are things that are set up. There's a there's a sort of a Chekhov's gun of her throw underhanding throwing to to Henry. And then later on, she's very concerned about his his uh, skin health and sunscreen. But she throws him sun sunscreen at the beginning of the movie. He fails to catch it because he's terrible at baseball. Then she throws it to him again when he is now on the Cubs. And uh, they're going on their first road trip. Yeah. Yeah. The pitching coach mentions Brickma, we'll get to him, uh, that she has a heck of an arm. 
And then at the end of the movie, uh, spoiler alert for everybody, it's revealed that the, the, the old worn glove that Henry uses that he believes was his dad's, who was a pitcher, is all he knows, was actually Mary's. She was the pitcher. And it's, it's right there in the film that it's she's got a really good arm and she's constantly throwing stuff like somebody that played softball would have thrown it. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that early and like, I'm like, huh, it's like a real softball throw. And I just thought it was going to be like the way the actress threw the thing in the scene and that it's built up perfectly to end with a reveal. And it's fantastic. What a great reveal because it's not, it, who like, we don't never see or know who the father is and we don't care and nobody should care. It yep. doesn't matter. The character that we have been following is gets that reveal and that works so much better in that moment because it's not like, like you could have had the, the, the glove reveal. I think a worse movie would have had the glove reveal be like, you know, some pit, like Whitey Ford or something like that. Like, like some like weird, uh, like not to, to besmirch Whitey Ford and his family. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sure he's very faithful throughout his whole life, I'm sure. Um, but like, th they would have been like some cheap thing, like a pitcher, a Hall of Fame pitcher yeah. that he was. And that's like inside, but no, and you don't need that. This is so much better as an emotional beat in the film. And it's set up at the beginning. It's, it's, it's set up further in the middle and then it's at the end. I don't want to praise a movie for passing like film 101, but like, oh my God, it's clearly not that easy to do no. when like you have like movies with millions of dollars behind it. But this movie, it does it in, it's like a really nice way. And that payoff is so good and a good cap to Mary's arc. Both both that and then before that, her um, punching out the dweeby Jack. Like, oh yeah, like, just knocking him down right, the stairs. Right so hook. good good like arc for mary so and she even gets great. like a romantic conclusion because like yeah they, they build up that she starts to develop a relationship with the pitcher what's his name and it was rocket was the nickname but i can never remember Chet stedman. Chet stedman Chet stedman thank you what a great baseball name that is like a, that is a base that is that's a, a 70, 70 grade, grade. Oh, <laughs> oh no I'm not an 80 not an 80 there's some <laughs> better ones but i like that we both yeah. went just one step below just one step uh, below we uh, guys we haven't even been on this podcast. rocket was already been done rocket was already yeah. been done so i feel yeah. like that's the only pro that's a one ding on there yeah. is that we there's already a more famous rocket picture but yeah jets but right. yeah i love it, gary Busey was playing because i can never remember the difference between gary Busey and nick nolte um because they both yes. just look angry and white um but like, <laughs> they are <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so Gary Busey rocking his absolute best '90s mustache in this, yeah. um, and looking. There's a fun fact about that mustache. Oh no! Tell me before I'm, I continue. I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to ruin this mustache. Is it so fake? Gary Busey? Apparently, Gary Busey was clean shaven, and they wanted the mustache, so that is a fake mustache, according to IMDb trivia, which could be completely BS. So I don't know if that's 100. But that is what has been said: is that Gary Busey was wearing a fake mustache. Better so watch the film again. Better a fake Gary Busey mustache than a uh, photo edited uh, pre-Snyder cut Henry Cavill <laughs> yes. removed mustache. That's true. That's true. Much cheaper too. I'm, yeah. I'm sure this like, didn't cost like $20 million. I, so. I never would have guessed actually. So I think it looked pretty, pretty realistic. But I feel um, like Gary Busey dessert, like that, that face, that grizzled face, yeah. like that character without a mustache would be worse. 
straight I, up. I think he actually is... needed the mustache to soften him um to make him look a little bit more likable um but yeah so he's like this grouchy kind of coming towards the end of his career Mm -hmm. pitcher and he's not the fastball hurler that he used to be and um and he hates hates that there is a 12 year old kid on this team now um but the manager is just like look buddy i got my own stuff to deal with our pitching coach is you know one helmet away from like being in the loony bin and so, so let's let's like real quick that's a good opportunity so you have the the big characters in the film you have yeah. gary Busey playing chet steadman your aging pitcher you know kind of near the end of his run kind of still sticking it out you have the pitching coach in the film is played by daniel stern and he's cranked up to 12 like it's blasted past 11 he is crazy so brickma apparently is a guy that's been following this manager around and he can't get rid of him. So he is the pitching coach and he is, uh, he is very loony. He is a Looney Tunes character. He is a caricature. Um, My actually, my only true complaint about this, and we were talking about Chet only because I wanted to talk about Mary completing her kind of romantic arc. And so clearly Chet stops hating um stops hating henry at some point becomes his little baseball father figure and we wrap that up into a neat bow towards the end because it's very clear that that mary and chet have connected and um that romantic arc is complete i just wanted to finish that thought and now we can talk about the one legitimate complaint i have about this movie Mm. is daniel stern (laughs) which is hilarious because I loved his direction and I thought everything he did with the movie was great, but that character was just too much for the tone of the movie. And he, it's, it's funny to me that the one place he failed was the place where he put himself in. And I think that that could go either way. Like Darby, you can feel free to correct me if you loved that character and you thought he was great, but I thought like maybe the 12 that he was turned up to could have been okay at a nine. Um, because like, it's definitely like, there's, there's too much, I think going on there. I, I, so I, I agree. I think one of the best choices from Daniel Stern, the director is that Dan, that he used Daniel Stern, the actor, not as much as he could have. Yeah. He, he did, he wrote in, there's like a running gag where basically Brickma gets stuck places he gets locked into places first he gets locked between uh two hotel room doors yeah like when you know those which as a kid i always i distinctly remember that and always feared that's a <laughs> little insight into small idiot darby that i was always like didn't want to go through because i was like oh my god i'm gonna get stuck um and then th- at the end he has this like weird cage like locking it's like cage. a supply yeah. cage yeah where it's yeah yeah, and, so it, and so he gets locked in that for the big um, division clinching game. So those were good choices because they like remove him from the the scenery, which was which is a good choice. Yeah, um, I will agree though that that character. I think as a kid, I actually really enjoyed it. That's why but he's that, there. That age, there is. I think it is. I think he, you're right. He could have gotten by with like a nine, yeah. which is a little bit less. Because that scene, especially where he's locked in the cage and he is shaking that cage to a ludicrous point. And I'm, I'm sitting there watching that and I'm going, well, in real life, you'd have clubbies. Like, I'm sorry, but clubbies exist. Somebody would be there to let him out. And They, they did. They just didn't <laughs> yeah, want to let him out. That's they, the thing, the secret of the film is they were like, they were just off scene being like, 
they just left him in hiding yeah they were just like no 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 that's good he's good there or the (laughs) the manager paid them off and they're like look like if this just happens slide shut and he's not on the field it's you know extra 50 bucks in your pocket um yeah that for me was like the one part that just didn't work like I thought he was too much he was from a different kind of slapstick movie and had just kind of stumbled his way into this cute little heartwarming family film um and it just didn't didn't work for me like I thought it was okay in in a couple scenes and then it just played on a little bit too long so yeah that's I I think that's a fair assessment I think it's I think it was a good I think it was a solid I I like the idea of what he was going for because this is also coming off of Home Alone so his I mean Daniel Stern is a very gifted physical comedian yeah and I do think he he has some very funny moments in this film but I think most of the humor of this film does not come from his character. And I think a lot of his character kind of is just like, like, like a bit of it that kind of like cringe humor where you're like secondhand embarrassed type of thing. And, yeah. But I also don't know, like, I feel like if we had like a kid on right now, like if you showed this to like a, like a, like a nine, 10 year old, would that character play? Would they be like, that guy is so funny? Or would that be, annoying? I don't know. But I think that might be that balance, it- but I'm thankful he is not in, more of this movie yeah so and I, I did I mean, want more it could be one of those things where if i looked it up and find out that daniel stern had kids and he directed this because he really wanted something that his kids could go see um kids do by and large love stupid stuff like yes. i was recently watching kids something. are very dumb straight well they love like very they're... like base level humor and i don't think there's anything wrong with that but like poop jokes and fart jokes they still well, land yeah. like there's a reason I, they still land with me too there's a reason they're so popular right but like I watched somebody do a review recently of the new Dora the Explorer movie and like talked about how you know the stupid things in that movie were the things that kids were cracking up over the most so it's very real likelihood that from the the eye view of adults we're not going to appreciate Daniel Stern's performance but like a nine-year-old watching this movie would be like get that man an Oscar and that's where if it and if it does land with kids like that is the point like that's Mm -hmm. who this audience like 30 you know something year old us and being like that Daniel Stern character is a little uh a little extra please and like if there's like an eight-year-old that's like yay it's like great that's that's who the movie is for not for not for me and as a kid I think I did enjoy him but I think I remember that character being a pitcher like not a pitching coach (laughs) yeah and honestly maybe if you make him a reliever like a fellow reliever out there it kind of works because the sideburns the the, yeah. the straight top hair the very like absurd look of him and uh, character i could buy that as a reliever more than i could as a pitching coach because honestly he should have been fired as a pitching coach he is yeah. clearly not a good pitching coach <laughs> and they should have hired jack as the pitching coach and maybe he is and he's just doing the little league on the side but uh that's not how jack ends up but i don't know i he should have been the pitching coach because he clearly did the actual pitching coach job uh, Brett, what okay? What do you think about Brickma? This character? I it I hadn't seen the movie since I was young, so I remember really liking him uh, as a child. Th- this time, I I don't think I'm on full team Ashley here, and I don't think I'm on full team Darby. I think I am somewhere in the middle where, like, at times I'm like, yeah, this is this is getting old. I like Darby's idea of turning him into a reliever, but overall, it doesn't doesn't hurt the movie like it, it he it's, he's because he's, he doesn't have any uh he, he doesn't, doesn't change the plot in any way so overall i think it's fine you know it is what it is not my favorite yeah. part 
Um, I think let's take a very quick commercial break and we're going to come back and talk a little bit about the baseball in this movie because there's actually a lot of it. Um, So we'll throw you guys to a quick commercial and then come back and chat. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I have this philosophy about baseball movies, and it's something I'm probably going to write about in an article at some point, but I I have this feeling that movies about baseball are more successful to baseball fans. Like, we like them more if there's more baseball in them. And I know that this is not, like, crazy philosophy to pull out, but uh, this movie had a lot of baseball in it. And I, I feel like that might be a part of why we liked it so much. Like, aside from the part that it was, like, shot well and well acted by pretty much everybody involved and had characters who felt very real which are all kind of pinnacles of a decent movie it actually i think did a pretty good job of representing the sport um there's a lot of baseball in it there are some baseball cameos in it which are kind of nice there's a little barry Ah. bonds action in there a little vlad um so i mean it's it's cool that it it very clearly is part of you know this romantic notion of baseball like i think either daniel stearns is a huge baseball fan or people involved in this movie very clearly love baseball because it is very lovingly handled and i think at least for me there were at least two really good moments in this that felt as if they were good enough to be real baseball um there's a scene where chet is in his last game the last game of the season before they're trying to win the division and head on to the world series and he's been benched because the evil you know would-be owner of the team uh has decided that he's not going to play chet anymore because the the boyfriend of the mom was like that guy's got to go because he's a he's a risk um he's he's making moves he's making moves to my woman and i don't yeah i don't want him to play anymore so uh, because i'm so valuable that's that's what we're gonna do um, and so he's been benched, but the manager's like, we're here. This is the biggest game of the year for us to this point. I want you starting for me. And he goes and he pitches, I think he's into the sixth inning and it's pretty clear. Like he's toast, like he's done. He's been like nursing the arm all season. And my God, you guys, there's that scene where he looks to the dugout and he looks at his manager and the manager's like, I'm taking you out. And he grits through the teeth with his face sweating. And this could be like a dramatic movie at this point. I don't, but he's just like, one more, give me one more. And he like begs for this last pitch and he throws the pitch and you can tell it like destroys his arm. But that leads to the second favorite moment, which is by far the most unrealistic, but still like the most amazing where his arm is so shot that he can't throw the ball to home to get the, like, he can't throw it to first to get the tag out there, but he's got to get that final out before the runner on third gets home. And he looks and he can't throw it to the, the catcher and he like runs, he runs holding this ball to home plate to get the tag and like hurls himself full body at this, at this runner to tag him out at home. And I tell you, 
I got almost as excited watching that fake baseball moment as I did watching Game <laughs> Four of the World Series because I was just like, "Is he gonna do it? Of course he's gonna do it. It's a movie." But like, it's a, it's a great moment, and it's set up again. It's set up well because he talks about how he had his, uh, you know, his elbow or shoulder repaired surgically. So you have this nice little connection because Henry Rowan Garner has his elbow or, or his arm repaired as well. So they're both got you know kind of recovery. And um, basically he says that he can't throw as fast anymore because he doesn't want to ramp it up because he doesn't know if his arm can take it. And so when he does ramp it up, it's that big moment where he knows it's probably gonna be a bad thing. He does it anyway. And then, yeah, he gives it all out. It's like this awesome moment because you have set it up that he is at the end of his career. You already have it so that the, you know, the owner is being a, a jerk and he's like gonna cut him and he's gonna bench him and then cut him. But it's this like leaving it all out, you know, like dying on the field type of thing. Bef like going on in his terms, that's just really, I, it just works so well. Like you said, it's like, it is a, like a nice emotional moment because it really works because he is choosing how he is ending his career yeah, and is leaving it all out in the field. Yeah, like literally, like he just like, that's it. Like that's the big thing for him. And it's leading like your your bloody corpse on the field to get your co your, your, your teammates to the World Series for the first time since, you know, 1908. And if that's all you can do, then you do it. And I, I liked the scene. I think it, it'll play well when we finally do talk about For Love of the Game. And there's a scene where he goes back to the dugout and the, the manager's like, that's cool, man. We'll rest you until we get to the series. I'll save you for a couple games in. And he's like, no, like I'm, I'm done. And that mm -hmm. was it. And it's, it's, it's almost from a different movie, like frankly, this like cutesy kids movie has some stakes to it, but yeah. like Chet's final like opus to baseball in those final moments is it, it's heartbreaking. Like that, oh man, I that that one more, give me one more, just like lives rent free in my brain right now because mm -hmm. what a gut wrenching moment that was. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's earned. It's yeah. earned. Like you've built it up in this film where this like grizzled kind of like. This guy who, when originally Henry enters the dugout for the first time, or the, the clubhouse for the first time, he asks for his autograph, and he's like, no, I don't do autographs. And everybody's kind of standoffish, and then, like, eventually he's forced to kind of teach him. And there's this very cute scene where he goes out there, and he, he does, like, a pitching coach teaching thing on the mound that's, like, complete gibberish. Yeah. And then afterwards... He, he like he is leaving the field and he is like what the heck did I just say and then what like what does that even mean and then Henry is like what does that mean and then like everybody's like I don't know what what does that even mean that's like fantastic and then it's like showing him trying to open up and we talked about him you know kind of some nice uh you know like relationship stuff with Mary and then leading to that this this game that he clearly loves that he knows is is ending for him yeah but he's gonna do this this moment. He's gotten this game, uh, and he's gonna he's gonna win the day, and it's great. It's it's legitimately like you could put that scene in a serious serious mm -hmm. quote unquote baseball movie. You could put that in uh, like a actual like this is a drama, and it would play. So yeah. you have this this veteran that's that's leaving it all on the field, but he gets this last out. He doesn't win the game yet. He's just 
doing everything he can to help his team win. Got them through six innings. That was it. He made it to the end of the sixth inning and he got yeah. them there. Solid quality start right there. Absolutely. Chet that's Stedman. Chet the Rocket Stedman. That's a that's a quality start. Absolutely. I think that they they do kind of measure him emotionally in good steps. I think he's he starts out as a character you you kind of feel like, oh, is this the guy I'm gonna hate? Because he's like he's kind of abrupt and he's brusque and he's not warm. And then he gets forced to help Henry out because the, the pitching coach is useless and, yes. and, and then it, it develops. So if you, you take him from that first day where he's just like, no, do autographs. And then by the time he like Henry has his first, like almost intentionally good game, he goes back to his locker that day and he finds the ball in his locker signed rocket, you know, like mm. it's, it's, and then he like, you know, he invites him over and he starts like showing him the ropes a little bit and it's charming. Like, it's nice to see that like, chet finds something worthwhile in the game again because i think a lot of it was like he wasn't enjoying it anymore like they were Mm -hmm. just losing and he was losing and and it kind of bummed him out and then all of a sudden there's excitement again and there's fans in the stands and he finds a connection with this kid and and i think that that's actually a really sweet story in and of itself so let's talk about the baseball like business side of things right so so (laughs) when henry goes to the game after the the cast off uh, um, reward, the present that his mom uh, gives him and his two friends, which is like, again, very cool mom. Very, I, lo- very cool I mom. love that it's very clear the mom likes one of his friends better than the other. There's a, there, okay, that line, I'm not sure. I was like, I don't know if I love this line. She has, so she has the two, the two kids, her, her own son, the, uh, the, the, the Chicago fan looking kid, uh, as Ashley says, and then Clark. And she has a line that I've been in a note where she's like, hello, Clark. Well, it's, it's like, it's very clear. like, it's a little sexual. It's a little, I don't love it. I didn't, I was I, a little nervous, but then it was just like, oh, he's just like the good kid. He's the good kid. And that's he's what it is. It's kid. just, it's like the blonde one's the bad friend, but she puts up with him. Yes. You can tell he's like, yes. probably like, either got a single dad or something's it's, going it's on. It's like, right? yeah, it's like, it's a tough home life, whatever. He and needs, then yeah, she's just yeah. like, all right, Bobby, or whatever your name is, like, hi, Bobby. And she's like, hello, Clark. Like, he's just the apple of her eye. The, the perfect, yeah. The other son. The, that that worked out well. That's like a one-off joke, but it really does build like this perfect, um, like, so backstory, yeah. right? Like, of like, oh yeah, he's the, he's like the good one. And throughout the show, or throughout the show, throughout the movie, uh Clark is sort of like tries to be like the 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 kind of like voice of reason yeah between when when the two when Henry and his friend have this like kind of fight where he is not coming and hanging out with them as much because now he's a major league ball player and he has less time to hang out and build the boat uh it's Clark that's like trying to be like it's all cool let's just hang out and have fun as kids yeah, Clark is definitely the mediator of that group. Clark's got like the longtime little girlfriend. Like Clark is very clearly mm-hmm. the one that's got his stuff together. It's He's going places, that Clark. But um, um, so yeah, so the kids go to the game. Yeah, the kids go to to Wrigley, and a home run. It's set up earlier where a home run comes in, and and one of the bleacher bums throws it back, but Throw he fails back. miserably, and and uh, he's not very good. And then another home run happens, and. Um, I forget the, I forget the, the friend's name, but he gets, picks it up and he's like, oh wait, this game is on television. Oh, I don't want to embarrass myself. 
And then he hands it to Clark and then Clark doesn't want to do it either. And they all hand it to Henry. And what's set up before this, when he got the cast off with the funky butt loving scene is, uh, is that Henry, and I hate the, the sound effect. I really oh, the, do. The creaking? I, the like rubber band, like every time yeah. he puts his arm back, I do not like that. Did not, not a fan. But he, he like has this high tension, right? So the medical thing that they put into the film is that his tendons fused to the, to, to the bone. And so they are like too tight and it's given him like this like trebuchet arm, like crazy thing. So it, it ends up, he they tries to move his arm back and pull it forward and it smacks the, the, the doctor in the face. And then when he has this chance with the baseball, the home run ball, and he throws it back he cranks the arm, the really unsettling sound effect happens, and then he fires it back and it comes all the way back to the catcher, all the way from the outfield bleachers, super fast, and everybody's like, what just happened? There's a, there's a tag play at home because of this, which is definitely not how baseball works at all, but whatever, it was he was still safe, so at least there wasn't like an out there, which I think is a good choice, Yeah, but, but definitely not a real baseball play. No. And that's when that's when Henry's kind of like discovered by the uh, the the nephew of the owner who's shrewdly wants to exploit this for money. Yeah, it is pretty entertaining that they would jump from uh, not knowing who this is to let's sign that kid immediately with one mm-hmm. throw. Um, mm-hmm. But this is baseball world, so I suppose we'll allow it. Um, and he's and he's a and and that character, the nephew of the of the owner, is he is a slime ball so like it makes sense that like it doesn't really matter it's like a child that can throw that fast so it doesn't really matter like it needs he's just trying to make a buck so it kind of almost works the 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 lack of logic works because he is just a a slimy shady guy yeah and it's it's it gets i don't know how i'm going to pronounce it right but it's dan hadea playing him um probably best known for me as being Cher's dad in Clueless um oh, but yes. just kind of one of those dudes that looks like he's gonna yell at you no matter what you do so like really well cast in this role I think um but yeah it's it's funny that like that's it that was his star making moment and all they know is that it was a kid and his name's Henry and he was in the bleachers and yet somehow they find him within like 24 hours it's very impressive detective work <laughs> they from do and um, and it's and it's and it's 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 the boyfriend who gets the call and without letting the mom know sets up a, a like tryout. interview tryout yeah. and contract with Henry. Crazy levels of of uh, just like overstepping his bounds. Yeah, and not sure like that's one of those ones where it's I'm pretty sure that would not legally be allowed. Like, I they, don't they, think you could get that far without some sort of actual parental permission. Um, they do, they do uh, on purpose. They, I, every time I was ready to be like, how is he legally doing this? They keep mentioning how he is basically handing stuff to the mom to sign yeah. and just being like, oh, you got to sign this. And she's like, okay. And she's doing that. So they, they do kind of excuse it, hand wave it a little bit. So I, I was like, okay, at least they're doing that. They but yeah, I will say. Slightly, yeah. That fight right there that would have happened after the mom finds out that her son was basically like agreed to a contract with the Cubs sort of 
and a press conference all with barely any knowledge is I feel like there would have been some some arguments there. Yeah, I feel like somebody would have gotten a little a little bit of trouble for that one. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I do also want to talk about something that you may, you can decide whether or not you think it was done well, but I think it was a cute choice. Is um, in the end of the final game, bottom of the ninth um, or top of the ninth, in the ninth inning. Because I guess they're at home. Um, yeah. In the ninth inning. Uh, Henry re-trips and kind of readjusts his arm the same way his, he got his, his arch nemesis, a baseball just sitting yeah. in the grass. Baseball in the grass. Um, he trips, he doesn't break his arm, but it knocks the tendon kind of loose again and, and takes away his superpower. And it's pretty clear instantly that he no longer has his fastball because uh, he throws four pretty ridiculously wild pitches like all over the place. And I made a comment where I was just like, I think it's pretty funny that he not only lost his power, but also suddenly all of his command, because at least before he yes. was able to locate his pitches. Well, he he kind of, he does try to like intentionally walk, because like every time the catcher stands up to be like, what's going on? He tries yeah. to throw it outside. So he doesn't want to go over the plate because he knows he would get like taken deep. But this but, does seem like a, a big... I, I will say the manager, I don't like to have this be in every movie where I'm basically criticizing the manager, but why movies do you have it? better managers. They yeah. did not have a three picture minimum in 1993, my friends. They could have been like, oh, the, yeah. the child doesn't have whatever the magic sauce that he had. I should probably get a reliever in. Yeah. So like, get somebody ready. What I liked in that part was that they used legitimate baseball to get around the fact that henry couldn't pitch anymore yes and yes. they they played with it because henry obviously is a huge baseball fan even though he's not typically good at it in his real life but what they do is they they do the hidden ball trick which i thought was really yes. cute because it's legal and nobody does it but it is I a was, thing. i was watching his feet like it doesn't seem like he's on the rubber like it, it is one of those plays where now that i've known more about baseball watching it i'm even more impressed by the film because yeah. they actually do it legitimately yeah so he he pulls it off he's he's got the hidden ball trick and then the next one i thought was pretty funny i'm like you can't pull that off twice so what are they gonna do mm -hmm. and the next one is him taunting a base runner into trying to steal for second by like daring him he like sits there and he's just like he drops the ball and he like kicks it and he kicks it and he's just like, oops, I'm going to throw it. Oops, I'm going to throw it. And the, the, the runner's like, yeah, all right, pint size. Why don't you throw that ball real high? And, and I'm just going to go. And sure enough, Henry fakes him out. He, he you know, gets the tag out and suddenly there, there's two outs in the inning. And I, I thought that that was clever. Like that looks at how stupid baseball can be sometimes. And like the ridiculous things plays. that are legal plays. Yeah, legal plays. And, then I think and that scene is even set up well, the taunting scene, because earlier in the film, when he, uh, where he takes a walk, when he's a reliever, he actually has to come up to bat in the National League and, and he gets a walk because he has such a small person, he has a very small strike zone. And he is like constantly taunting the pitcher until the pitcher <laughs> throws a wild pitch as on a pickoff. And he's taunting him with his like middle school, like level, absolute childish taunts. Yeah. But it's hilarious because I feel like you could maybe make this play work. You could almost maybe taunt a player enough into trying to do it that maybe they wouldn't believe that like just throw it real high in the air and I'll go and then 
thing. But I love it that even that is set up in the film. Like yeah. he's able to pull that off because we saw early in the film, he was able to get grown men to fail because they are so angry at this middle schooler. And uh, I, I've, I've actually worked with middle schoolers in, <laughs> in stuff. And yes, I, I can absolutely attest. Like they can, they can drive you to the limit. They absolutely, absolutely. You could, I could see a, a major league baseball player melting down uh, and making a mistake through just sheer determination of middle schoolers. They're in talented, talented group of uh, age range where they can just narrow in. It reminds me of that John Mulaney joke in stand-up where he's just like, there's no power greater than like, like preteens making fun of you because they like get to what what's at the very core of your identity and like what you're most ashamed of and they like find it immediately and it's just like you know like hey you walk like a girl and he's just like no it's accurate and I don't like it <laughs> like, it's true though that they're very like it's specific uh, and and yeah so this runner is like he is taunted in to trying to steal a base thanks to through Henry Rohngardner's just sheer determination and yeah. uh it's fantastic. So you got two outs through two actual baseball plays. They didn't have to cheat anything. Um, but of course, the and, and of course the manager is shocked that he's coming up. It's, it's baseball. There's a list of yeah, the people it's the same, in the order they come up. Unless he was a know. pinch hit option in that inning alone. Um, then he, but why would you pinch hit him? He's the, he's, oh, whatever. Anyway, know. yes. So Hedo is coming up. The gorilla of a man who's already taken Henry deep in the year. Yep. And and uh for the the Mets big power uh Goliath <laughs> in the middle of the order. And uh it's Henry without his power against yep. Hedo. And he, you know what? The first thing he does, and I was actually pretty impressed. The the catcher calls for a fastball. He's like, just throw your fastball. And he throws it, but because of the change in his arm speed and he actually locates it it's an ephus pitch so yeah. it, it works great because he swings like way too early on this super slow pitch uh and gets a strike but you know that he's not going to fall for it a second time because he's not an idiot uh and he hits a foul ball so that's the big thing he like whacks Sends it, it to the moon to the moon yeah and yeah. everyone's like go foul go foul go foul and it goes foul and so you know that the next move has got to be the big one like it's going to be the game winner this is it and that's when we have the big reveal that that mary was the one all along that henry finds her name inside the glove and they have this moment that should have been unspoken but clearly shows them talking to each other across <laughs> many many yards of distance um, yes. where it was you oh, it was me all along and yeah but it, it's very cute and touching and he realizes that what he's got to do is throw her pitch and that's where we get that final kind of beautiful rounded storyline where he goes out and he throws Mary's signature underhanded softball pitch. And the, the evil batter looks like he's just about to like, pee himself in glee. He's so excited, the slow ball pitch. And sure enough, swings too early, falls to the ground, sobbing like a baby because he has throwing a tantrum, yeah. throwing a tantrum, kicking and, his feet and hands. Yes. And the uh, the the Cubs are going to the World Series. They're just going to the playoffs. That's what I. That's what I really like. They just won the division. Yeah. That's it. They're not even going to the World. Like they they 
the stakes in this movie are so low in a in a larger sense that I really appreciate it. Like Henry is not a god. He doesn't come in and become the best pitcher. He doesn't win like the Cy Young. He doesn't doesn't throw perfect game after perfect game. He doesn't throw a perfect game, um, uh, like perfect inning thing. And it's not like immediately the Cubs win the World Series, though, spoiler later on, it's revealed that they he does get a ring. So they must yep. go on to win without him and without, without Chet Stedman. Um, but they it's just winning the division and that's enough for the Cubs. They haven't, they have been so bad and so irrelevant that just getting into the postseason is enough. And I love that, that, that is the stakes is that it's lowered down to, this is a, uh, a matchup and they're going to win the division if they can win this game. And that's really cool. It's not yeah. too big. And- it's, it's smaller. It's, it's smaller. It's keeping it in the, in the zone of, Baseball works really well when it's baseball movies work really well when there's a fanciful element to a real game. Yeah. Because the game itself, like we t- you mentioned, it's a silly game in a lot of, lot of ways. The hidden ball trick is a thing that major leaguers have pulled off. And every time it happens, it's the silliest thing possible. But that's the a thing. Baseball that you can writers do. everywhere will wet themselves with delight over it happening because we live for that. Cause it's amazing. Cause you know, there's a there's the whole like old slogan. You can go to the ballpark and you'll see something you've never seen before. Yeah. And that's, what's great with baseball. But then you add that little magical element. And so this film works because Henry doesn't go from terrible baseball player to the best baseball player in this universe. He is a really talented. He has this amazing pitch. That's really tough for a lot of people, but he's a, still a reliever. And it's like kept in this realm of, I, I won't say believability because it's it's clearly tendons don't do that. And if they are fused to the bone, then there's probably some severe medical problems with your arm and you yeah. need to work on that. But it's not, it's not like in the world, if you can believe in the one conceit that like, yes, this kid somehow because of this freak incident can throw 103, the rest of the movie kind of plays well. Yep. Like, yeah, he can throw the 103. Okay, the rest of the movie works because it's not like suddenly the Cubs are the best team ever. They just win their division. And that's great. That's great. I think what works well about that too is Henry, right before that game, before he loses his arm, before all of that happens, goes to the owners and he's like, hey, uh, BT dubs, I'm done after this. Um, I'm. This is my only season because as fun as this has been, I want to be a kid and I want to go play on boats with my friends in the middle of summer and date cute 12 year old girls and I want to have a life. And I thought that that was really good because it gave it a finite term. And so when he did lose the ability to throw his pitches, it wasn't like he was throwing out that $25 million contract. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like he was losing the dream. It was just an easy excuse for him to go back and continue to do what he actually wanted to do. And I think that was nice. And that's also where you get the the kind of falling down of Fish or whatever his name is, the evil nephew um, who the owner discovers is trying to sell Henry's contract to the Yankees. And his comeuppance is that he has to go sell hot dogs to the poors. Yes. (laughs) He has has to go down there. I'm guessing 
as a way of like, otherwise I'll cut you out of the will entirely. Yeah. So you're going to, you're going to do, you're going to just go do like manual labor or whatever I want uh, to just keep like a dangling that money behind him. Yeah. So I thought that was good. So all three of our villains, you know, get their moment. Henry, you know, his team wins, even without him being the, the one to get those. He, he does. He finishes it off. He gets that last strikeout. He wins the game. Um, well, doesn't in the game because Chuck gets the win. We all know how baseball works. It's fine. <laughs> um, but I, I think it, it's effective. And then at the end, you see him switch back and he's back in Little League. He's back playing outfield. And um, he, you know, he's happy. He's got his World Series ring, but he's where he wants to be, which is on, you know, on the baseball field. Um, so I think let's take another quick pause. And then I want to talk about a very surprising celebrity that showed up in this that kind of made the movie for me. Okay, so I just want to talk about something I 100% forgot about because I can guarantee you when I was 10 or whenever this movie came out, I did not care about this cameo. Uh, it's an extended cameo throughout the whole movie, but um, the Cubs radio announcer in this movie is played by none other than John Candy. And what a awesome awesome treat that is for anybody who's like you know a way back comedy fan anybody who's it's very John Hughesy almost to have him in there in the mix um because he plays like this kind of cheeky down on the cubs like speaks his mind when he shouldn't when he's on the air makes fun of his assistant consistently um in the middle of the press box like radio voice and he is tremendous. It's John Candy is the best. He was the best. He was such a, he's just like a breath of fresh air in this film as well. And I like the film, but him, his little element is such a fantastic extra spice. It like takes it over the top, I think. And you can definitely tell there's a little bit of a major league to it. Obviously we, I already mentioned like the guy is basically Jack Parkman, yep. but like, on a lot of steroids, but this is very much like the Bob Euchre kind of funny, like announcer character, but just, it's just John Candy. I feel like he just let him loose. And there's a line that he has later in the film where, where, where like the Cubs are going to the, they, the Cubs win the division. They're going to the postseason. Uh, like I've never, I've been waiting to say that. I mean, I've said it, but like, in the context of it, it's such a funny, and it's like, it's almost certainly an ad-libbed line yeah. where he is just taking the joke and just punching it up because he's John freaking Candy and he's amazing. And it's such a perfect, I don't know if he got it like a day or two to shoot this. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned it's very similar to his Home Alone cameo where he, uh, there's a lot of Home Alone characters. So you, we talked about Daniel Stern, Candy is here and uh, the owner, of the Cubs is the toy store oh, owner right. in Home Alone too. So you have a lot of Home Alone uh, connections here. Oh. But yeah, John Candy comes in as a as a as an uncredited cameo in this film, and it's throughout the entire movie, and it's delightful. It is so funny. He delivers laugh out loud lines, and it's perfect. He's perfect. Yeah, it's very much of the like tone of jabbing fun at the Cubs for being bad. 
Um, it, it, my favorite line I think that he has in the whole thing is where they're on the road trip and they're up against the Dodgers and he's like, oh, the Cubs have had their longest winning streak of the season with uh, two. <laughs> it's just like this perfect moment of like how bad this team has been where it's just like, oh, they've got back-to-back games. Oh, aren't we happy about this? Um, but yeah, you can tell, I think that it was all filmed probably in one or two days. Like all of the background characters are wearing the same clothes. It's all very much like in this closed broadcast booth. Um, but what a sensational thing to be able to, to throw back to. And I think just having that even offsets a little bit of the over-the-topness of Daniel Stern's own character in this because it's just got such classic like 80s comedy vibes to have that one guy in there throwing these liners kind of giving you the sense of how the season's going in the same way that you would see like newspaper clips come up for like we Mm -hmm. saw with Summer Catch or we saw the newspaper clips again I think in in Air Bud and it kind of gives you the the season and help pass the time Um, and I think that that was a really clever like choice on their part because it really he feels like an old tiny baseball announcer yeah his performance is really good as like a baseball announcer like the obviously you get John Candy because he's hilarious and he is very funny movie but he also just fits that character like I you could absolutely see him being like the Cubs like a Harry Carey type for like yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, 40 years and 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 yeah he, he's perfect in that and and you're right it he has a he is his role is both comedic really comedic exposition it's you need to like be like what is happening in the game this is the setting this is this setting and you can do that in a number of ways you can do that really boring or you can have john candy and when when you have the chance you know back in the 80s and the 90s any any movie that had john candy in it was improved every single movie there's it's it's a scientific fact I think you can measure it. I think he bolsters any movie's star rating by at least a half star. I think that's <laughs> just just an actual fact. Um, so for me, that that was easily one of the best parts of the movie. Um, I think if we're going to get into kind of like best and worst parts, I've already talked a fair bit about how I think that the Daniel Stern's character is probably the the least the part that works the least for me. I, I didn't like it. Um, I think for me, the best parts of this were Mary. I really like that like they gave this, this mom character such a complete arc. Um, and yes, it was built around Henry's character. Like it's Henry getting a new stepdad who happens to be, happens to be, if you think about it, the exact person that she talked about his dad actually being in that he was a pitcher and, you know, filled that role. So everything kind of comes full circle and the stories that Mary told kind of become the truth in the end. Um, which I kind of liked. Um, but I think just, the, I think we talked about this for a bit. I think what really worked for me was Thomas Ian Nicholas and the kids just, I usually hate kids in movies, which makes kids movies very difficult. Um, but they weren't hammy. They weren't over the top. They were like natural, real kids. And I think that the, the biggest difficulty for Henry's character in the movie was realizing that his friends didn't want to be friends with him anymore because he was off filming Pepsi commercials and that like that wasn't where he wanted to be and I I thought that that was just a really charming turn and those things worked really well for me this movie like it shares a lot of parallels with a film I'm sure we'll get to in the near future it was on our poll Little Big League uh, where you've got the trio of friends you've got the single mom you've got uh, this child stepping into a major league clubhouse, whether it be as a player or as a 
owner slash manager. Uh, and I've, I, I, it had been a while since I watched little big league. So it, it, or since I've watched rookie of the year and yeah, it was just, it really kind of like held up for me. Like as the same way I watched it as a kid, um, the, the, the jokes, there were some funny jokes. Uh, the, the Reebok product placement was a little bit on the nose. Uh, there the were Pepsi Reebok was a bit over the top. Oh God. Yeah. Reebok and Pepsi just, yeah. Oof. Every shot I have a note that was like, rubber. I wonder if Pepsi sponsored this. <laughs> Cause you could just um, see it in the background of every scene. And my favorite scene, though, was the little nod to the Wizard of Oz when they're at the gates of Wrigley Field and the clubhouse attendant or someone working inside pops his head out of the, the little window. Like, that worked so per- It was funny, and it got in, like, an audible. I was watching alone, and it got, like, a real audible laugh out of me. Yeah, I thought that was a really cute moment. I'm, I loved... So there's even an arc in the kid's story of the boat that's in there where they finally fix the boat and the, the the boat and them trying to hang out with these girls and they end up getting the boat fixed and it's spewing smoke and yep. they have like a billion like chips and snacks and it's so like I can yes this is like such a like authentic thing that I can see and then they like go over to the beach and then they get the girls and they're all in the boat and it's and it's so just like it's it's more platonic than anything. It's they're just hanging out, being kids in the summer on a boat with like this level of freedom. And it's it really works. Like this, that movie, like there's a there's like a bit of like a stand by me in this movie. There is a bit of just this authentic kids romp with the with actual really interesting baseball in it too, that just really blends well together. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm very impressed. I'm very, very impressed by this film for being a film that as a kid, I really liked because it, uh, there's a lot of films as a kid that I've watched again that was like, yeesh, this is terrible. But this film just really, it makes you feel like a kid again watching it. And I think if you just came in and never had seen this, I think it would still work really well because I think the kids stuff and the acting of those kids and the mom and all of the non-baseball, I think baseball stuff works, but the non-baseball stuff is its own authentic baseline that really, really works. And I think the baseball just is that, is just a beautiful flavor on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that it has a lot of things going for it. Um, I think I remembering now one scene in particular that made me crack up at the time because I'm like I can't believe you included this in a kids movie um, is the scene where he's in the locker room for the first time and he's it's just this this moment that cracked me up because so, he's standing in between these two huge dudes and he like looks to his left and looks down and then he looks to his right and looks down and he looks down at himself and there's just a moment where he's like okay I'm gonna wait until this locker room is fully empty and he climbs into the locker to get changed into his uniform and I'm just like I cannot believe you included this moment but it absolutely (laughs) cracked me up because it's just wordless the whole thing and it's just it's so stupid and yet it was very effective and very it was like, funny. It was like right on the boundary line of like being weird, but it wasn't. It was yeah. hilarious. 
and it was great. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it worked so well because like it's just a quick look in each direction, and then when he comes out of the locker afterwards in his uniform, he's just so happy. Like he's just like I'm in my uniform, I'm a cub, and like that's it. It's just like one moment. It never plays again. Like it never becomes a thing, and it's just like it, it's really him kind of I think becoming aware that he's surrounded by men. And it's not something he's really used to, if you think about it, right? Because he doesn't have a man in his life at home. And it's just like, these are what grown up men look like. And it's very weird for him. So um, I think that it's just a very funny moment. Like none of them are, it, nobody's naked. So it's not as creepy as I'm making it sound, but it's just like this moment where he's just like, whoa, okay. So I got, I got a good chuckle out of that. That was pretty well done. Um, I am gonna be hard pressed for this next part, you guys. I'm not gonna lie. Um, who would you pick from this movie for the Rays? Oh, I, I, I think this one actually for me is the easiest one of them all, oddly enough. So in the film, there's three real baseball players. Oh, you son Okay, yeah. And it's, it's in the credits, they're listed as the three whiffers. Yeah. Pedro Guerrero, uh, which I'm actually not familiar with that, that real player, but uh, Bobby Bonilla, still still an active paid player, technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, every year, the Mets still pay him a salary. <laughs> so he's still in the Mets salary. Next to uh, Francisco Lindor and Michael Conforto and and uh, DeGrom, Bobby Bonilla is cashing that Mets check. God bless uh, him. New owner money. He's getting that new owner money. Um, and then the third the third player that's shown striking out is a unbelievably tiny Barry Bonds. Yeah. This is the last Pirates year Barry Bonds. He is so small. And in my head canon, what Barry Bonds did after striking out to Henry Rodengarner is look at the guy that took him deep in Hedo and be like, I'm gonna call up Hedo and see how he gets his body like that. And <laughs> Rest was history. That's for canon Barry now. Bonds. Oh. But I'm taking Barry Bonds because in, so this is 92-3. Bonds goes to San Francisco in 93 and he proceeds to have the second Hall of Fame career of his career. And it's unbelievable. Yes, there is some stuff that he may have did that was looked the other way. And now we're a little bit more moralizing, but he had a, a he has in that streak, one, two, three, four, five, ten win seasons. Yeah. His worst season, uh, worst like full season is three wins on Fangraphs War. He Barry Lamar Bonds is my choice because and it's a very it's a real cheat, I know, but I'm I, I took Mariana Rivera from clips of a game. So I think like we ought to be pretty flexible here. Brett, who you got? So I've started this theme of pitcher reclamation projects and uh, oh. we're, we're, we're taking Henry and I want to make sure, you know, he lives out his childhood, right? You know, he obviously wants to be a kid, but maybe some sort of futures contract that we can get him and his mom to put pen to paper. And I, I, I know his fastball has gone, but the doctor that Henry was seeing was very befuddled with this injury. I'm saying we send Henry to Dr. Coco Eaton, the raised doctor, and we get him to figure out what quite what what happened the first time Henry had this arm injury. And 
let's get him back to throwing one on one because the Rays need a reliever right now. Nick Anderson's out until the All Star break. Add Henry to the stable. <laughs> Henry Rowengarter to the stable. To the stable. We know he can throw more than 98. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to take the odds here then. I'm going to take Chet, but I'm not going to take him as a player. I'm going to take him as a bench coach and room to grow because I don't want to get rid of Kyle Snyder, but I feel like having a guy like Chet who clearly like adapts well to young new players who clearly seems to be at his best when he's working with youth, I think is the exact kind of guy you want in the Rays coaching staff. And so I'm taking uh, Chet as one of our new Rays coaches. So that's coaching tree strong. He can be the bench coach. Matt Quattrano got a head, a managing job somewhere. I was gunning yeah. for, for Matt to get the, the open tigers um, managerial position. You have no idea. Clearly nobody listens to me. Like I, I wrote about it several times. I think but... there's some people in the uh, South side of Chicago that would have preferred Q to the hall of fame baseball person that they have right now, but we'll but see. That's... Maybe it works out. That's the direction he's going to go. And you know it like that. The Rays are not just a, a farmhouse for uh for good players to trade later they seem to be the growing grounds for for managers the so the whole... next great raise manager chet the rocket steadman i like Absolutely. it i like it yeah so uh that's my that's my take on this so guys that's been us not ruining your childhood favorite film rookie of the year which we actually enjoyed and i think is the only the second movie of this entire podcast that we would recommend you go watch um unless you really feel the need to get all of our jokes about steve nebraska in which case i suppose you could watch the scout um it's like a youtube clip of like a couple of clips from the scout i think is what you need and that's, you could also and that's just about it listen to our episode about it we talk yeah. about the entire you get it um so anywho uh do we dare put up another poll for our next movie choice my friend i think democracy works when you put a a little bit of a thumb on the scales of democracy and you choose who the candidates are. So okay. um, let's, I think we'll, we'll do that. So I think we will let you vote because I had a great time. I think we all had a really great time at this movie. This was, uh, this was much needed after some pretty drudge, drudging films. Yeah. Uh, this, this one was real breeze. Like, it was absolute fun. delight. I had a great time. Okay, so we will throw up a poll and obviously a week this is going live is also the week baseball starts. Um, thrills, delights, real baseball. So I don't know what our schedule is going to be for this podcast. Obviously we will continue to give you episodes at a regular cadence, but whether that's every two weeks or what that works out to, um, don't expect them on a regular day of the week. They will go up when they go up. Um, we will continue to record them for you because we love doing them we are having the heck of a time i love this podcast so and there's uh, a ton of bad baseball movies out there so there is no bottom to the barrel no no shortage friends every time we we think we've seen a light at the end of the tunnel we remember the hardball with keanu reeves exists and that moment will be coming for us someday down the way uh so with that we will post a poll probably shared from my twitter or the drb twitter uh getting your input from you guys as to what the next film we'll be watching will be uh enjoy real baseball starting again this week and that has been who's on worst we'll catch you guys next time Bye.